Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world. Hello Buglers, it's Monday the 5th of September 2022. Welcome to the last Bugle ever to be recorded whilst the United Kingdom has Boris Johnson as its Prime Minister. For now. <laughs> enjoy this, this this moment just just a little bit. I'm Andy Zaltzman and by the time you listen to this show, assuming you're not me, Chris, one of my two co-hosts, our studio engineer or a Bugle Obsessed hacker who has wormed your way into our, our, uh, our Zoom call, <laughs> Boris Johnson will have boinged off this political coil. For now... To spend more time with his overwhelming sense of deluded grievance, and to spend more time with his regret at having missed a place on the greatest Prime Ministers of all time podium by at least 52 places in the mm. rankings. So we will exclusively reveal who the 56th Prime Minister of the United Kingdom will be shortly in this show. Joining me for the big reveal this week, a man whose membership of the Conservative Party remains, I believe, unsubmitted, it's Nish Kumar. <laughs> Hello, Nish. <laughs> Hello, Andy. Hello, Buglers. Uh, I, the idea that you think that's what Boris Johnson is going to be spending his time doing is naive beyond belief, Andrew. <laughs> He's going to be spending his time doing what he likes to spend his time doing, getting his dick and keeping it wet. Oh, my <laughs> God. He, uh, also, it, I did. Uh, the only thing you got right there was that you didn't use the phrase spend more time with his children, because that is one <laughs> thing the guy's not going to be doing. And let's be quite honest, that man needs time, because this guy has got <laughs> children like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> and for a cold, hard global perspective on a unique British form of chaotic transfer of power from New York City, it's Josh Gondelman. Uh, hello, Josh. Hello, Andy. How is New York responding to the imminent defenestration of Boris Johnson in London? Pandemonium. People are marching <laughs> in the streets. But that is because it is the American Labor Day. Uh, so I will be spending the duration of this podcast trying to unionize Nish, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Too late, big man. Hell yeah. <laughs> I'm already the member of 15 different unions. <laughs> you can't stop me from unionising. I'm starting. I'm actually starting up the Bugle Union now. And get ready for a strike, Chris. <laughs> You're gonna... until you start unbleeping my swear words. I refuse. I'm on strike. Well, that's Andrew Laurie's book for next week. <laughs> <laughs> This is Monday the 5th of September 2022, the last day, as I say, of Boris Johnson's reign as Prime Minister. For now! <laughs> the rule of three is hackneyed, it's unoriginal, and it's predictable and unnecessary. <laughs> uh, by coincidence, tomorrow is Tuesday the 6th of September, which is International Replace a Tool Day. It's International <laughs> Explain to Your Baffled Children Why Democracy Was Once Viewed as a Source of Hope and Light. It's also British Allow 170,000 Members of a Strange and Secretive Cult to Choose a Leader for a Nation of Almost 70 Million People Day. It's World What's the F***ing Point of Anything Anymore Day. And it's also International Make Up an International Day for Something Day. That's the only one I'm bothering with. Uh, today it's 500 years since the one surviving ship from Ferdinand Magellan's round-the-world lads-only booze cruise, uh, returned to Spain, <laughs> departed in 1519, returned on the 6th of September 1522 with just 30 out of 270 men and one out of five ships. And people complain about public transport today. We don't know how fucking good we've got it. Um, as always, uh, we have various sections of the bugle in the bin. 
including your commemorative Why Rishi Sunak Would Have Been a Rubbish Prime Minister section. Uh, that's in the bin. Uh, the main reasons were, uh, one, everyone would be a rubbish Prime Minister. It's the 21st century. Even if someone is a good Prime Minister, most people will still think they're rubbish. Uh, two, because he's exuded the authenticity and everyday humanity of a counterfeit Brenda Bullshit doll, which is not even from an actual TV character. Uh, three, uh, because he's also exuded the level of economic empathy for the less fortunate that you would expect from a multi-millionaire married to a billionaire, uh, or from a hedge fund ruleteer, or from a private school educated Oxford PPE graduate, uh, all for three very understandable reasons. Uh, any any more reasons to add to that, Nish? Why Sunak would have been rubbish to go in the bin? Well, listen, I uh, my feelings on Rishi Sunak are pretty well documented. Um, but um, I would say, and I may have said this on the Bugle before, and I apologise if I have, but the uh, Rishi Sunak, this is a huge victory for Asian slackers. Uh, across the United Kingdom. <laughs> because here's the thing that non-South Asians and specifically non-British South Asians w- won't know is that all of us grew up with a Rishi Sunak in our lives and our mothers would constantly tell us, why can't you be more like Rishi Sunak? Look how neat his haircut is. Look how nice his wife is. Why can't you be more like Rishi Sunak? And it turns out Rishi Sunak was a <laughs> And we knew that all along. So this is a huge victory for our South Asian slackers across the country because my arts degree has, as of now, killed no people. <laughs> uh, my my degree uh, killed an entire civilization. Um, I, um, well, it was already dead, to be fair. Um, uh, tomorrow, uh, the sixth of September, is not only British travesty of a functioning democracy day; it's also <laughs> National Read a Book Day. Um, and uh, for our second section in the bin, uh, it's our the Bugle Book section. Um, I don't know what uh, nation it is National Reader Book Day in, um, but still, I do have a book about national days that should have the information in, but I'm not planning to read it until tomorrow. <laughs> but anyway, our books uh, recommended by The Bugle include How to Sprain Your Ankle, another minor injury suffering advice for advo- avoiding work, unwanted social functions, and having to play top-level sport by Professor <laughs> Lobelia Strembelnitz. Uh, Kusplashnikov, How Russia's Favourite Rifle Changed Highboard Diving by Andrei Gretschko and Greg Loganis, <laughs> a fascinating collaboration by the former Soviet <laughs> Minister of Defence from the 1970s and an, um, America's 1988 Olympic gold medalist. Uh, we also um, recommend a recently discovered work by French scribblemeister Marcel Proust, A la recherche du crayons perdu. Uh, in the, the first in his series of books about trying to find things that he'd lost, um, which of course continued uh, after uh, pencils with time, car keys, socks, and snakes. Yeah, also on the Bugle recommended books list from Wombs to Wombats. A memoir of a life obsessing about words beginning with the letters W, O, M and B by Dr. Wombard Womblowski. Uh, as well as You Can't Crucify Me, I'm a Shark uh, by a defrocked former priest, the ex-reverend Parsimon Hibbins, uh, who examines whether the real Messiah was in fact a hammerhead shark who worked off the coast of the Holy Land in the early first millennium. Uh, we also recommend, so I've got a lot of recommendations for National Reader Book Day, SpongeBob and Vladimir Overthrow the Tsar by Maximilian Rampage and uh, Winnie Bagersley. Uh, the latest revisionist historical children's book from the team behind such classics as Careless Carlos, the slapstick conquistador, Copernicus, alien gobshite, Hats of Abraham 4, the bulletproof stovepipe saves the day, <laughs> and Queen Victoria was a man called Nigel. Now that's book section <laughs> in the bin. Always, one of the key rules of comedy is open with quite a specific Marcel Proust joke. As you've got to get that in within the first 10 minutes. Otherwise, are you even doing comedy? You got that Proust down at the end? No, no, no. no. Boost the Proust right up top. You don't, you don't close up Proust. You've got, you got to get him on board with the Proust gear. If you leave it till the end, they'll see it coming. Well, we're coming up to 15 years on the podcast. So I think... Uh, 
you know, I think I've yeah, I can chuck in a Proust gag every now and again. Once every once every decade and a half. <laughs> I can't wait till another fifteen years passes and I'll drink a can of seltzer much like this one that will bring me back to this moment. <laughs> Just in my mind, I'll be so present here. Thanks to kind of Proust's seltzer. <laughs> did he ever I don't I don't think he did merch, did he? Did, did Marcel Proust do merch while he yeah, was Yeah, yeah, he released his own line of bad lines. <laughs> the Proust Mad Lines. All right. mm-hmm. Paul Newman was stole everything from Proust. <laughs> <laughs> he did he did actually he, he, he did have a, a range of, of watches that had a special homing homing device, so you couldn't lose you couldn't lose time. That was sold quite big for him, I think. I think that's all the Proust jokes for this week. The done? Proust Anywhere is else? loose. <laughs> Good God! Top story this week: the United Kingdom will have a new Prime Minister tomorrow. As we record, tomorrow is Tuesday. Today is Monday. Liz Truss. The former foreign secretary, until she gave up to campaign to be prime minister a couple of months ago, since when we've had no prime minister or foreign secretary, is to be the new leader of this country. Um, uh, she has uh, is walking into power after being voted in by eighty one thousand out of one hundred and seventy odd thousand conservative members. Less than half of the Tory membership voted for her. Uh, Sunak got to just over sixty thousand votes, so fifty seven point four percent of the 82% of the quarter of a percent of the population who were eligible to vote, voted for trust. It's around about an eighth of 1% of the people of this country have elected our new Prime Minister. Nish, I know you're a massive democracy fan. You must have really enjoyed the, the stats side huge. of this. And this is a huge day in the United Kingdom's history. We have a new Prime Minister uh, it has been a contest that began uh, uh, in early July and it felt like it's gone on for 750,000 years. But now uh, Liz Truss uh, has won uh, in a contest between her and Rishi Sunak. And the whole time people have been determining whether this contest should be deemed the lesser of two evils. It's more like a... Listen, it's more like a contest to determine Britain's neatest paedophile. It's not really... <laughs> The lesser of two evils is simply an unpleasant choice that we were forced to make and most of us didn't get a say in it. Uh, Liz Truss won, uh, as you say, Andy, with uh, around 81,000 votes. Uh, it's not a huge uh, majority. And the, narrow, the margin of victory was actually even narrower than had been predicted uh, early on in the campaign. Liz Truss was supposed to walk uh, this through without any problems whatsoever. As it is, she's won by 57 to 42%. And the reason that that margin has narrowed uh, is simply her personality, her dreadful, <laughs> dreadful personality. A day before the results were announced, uh, opinion polling uh, suggested that 49% of people who voted Conservative in 2019 believed she looked like a Prime Minister in waiting in the beginning of August. This dropped to just 31% by the 30th of August. Liz Truss is like a biopic of Malcolm X starring Jim Carrey in the lead role. The more you see of it, the worse it gets. And crucially, it was pretty bad to begin with. <laughs> but I mean, this is it's quite extraordinary, really. So we've, what we've, we've had this, this, this leadership election. The voting process took, was it almost two months yes. since, voting, since voting opened? And, and these are... 
170,000 of the most committed Tories in the universe. They are the members of the Conservative Party. And still, one in six of them couldn't be asked to vote. (laughs) They've had... Almost two months. This is not like having to vote on a specific day in an election. This They've had weeks and weeks to do it. And still, only 82% of people <laughs> voted. So less than half of the Toryist Tories wanted Truss as, as Prime Minister. Last night, um, Josh, I was uh, lying in bed, mm-hmm. very excited about the prospect of... Um, of Boris Johnson no longer being Prime Minister mm-hmm. and then sick to my very core at the prospect of Liz Truss being my Prime Minister. Sure. <laughs> uh, instead, And there was an enormous thunderstorm. <laughs> yeah, one mega rumble of thunder rattled our windows as the skies cracked with the whip of doom. And I thought, mm-hmm. surely this is a divine signal that appointing Liz Truss as Prime Minister has displeased all of the various deities <laughs> who rule our universe. And uh, and that, But to be fair, that did follow an even bigger thunderclap which I think was all of those deities applauding the UK for ditching Boris Johnson. So, I mean, it's... I mean, mean, in America, obviously, you've had political upheavals. Are people still interpreting the weather for divine signals? Um, Now we're having more and more extreme weather events. I will say, uh, you had an interminable feeling election decided by, like, a few widely skewed votes and low turnout. Congratulations, you just elected a leader American style. hope that was fun that's kind of we have going on i do feel like weather wise right it is pretty ominous i think prime minister is not like a it's too lofty a title at this point for what these people are i especially because it feels like just with the apocalyptic nature of everything we're closing in on the omega minister (laughs) that's what's on the horizon i will say you had two months with like no prime minister boris johnson was on the way out they hadn't decided yet i think maybe Maybe you just roll that forward, go stride the whip, no prime minister. <laughs> I think if there, if there was a general election now and absolutely no government or prime minister at all was an option, I think that would, particularly under a first-past-the-post system, walk to victory. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She arrives in office in what can only be described as an absolute mother of an intray. Um, <laughs> there, are, there are real problems brewing. Uh, this, this strike's brewing. Uh, the TUC Congress, which is one of the biggest meetings of trade unions in this country, is going to happen. Uh, it's going to start next Sunday. Uh, Liz Truss has already said that she promises to legislate within 30 days to restrict key workers' legal rights to strike. So already... That's starting off on a bad note. And I'll tell you what, nothing screams, I believe in democracy, more than we will restrict your ability to go on strike. Um, There's obviously the concerns about the situation in Ukraine. There's unlikely to be any shift in policy for that. There's no suggestion that Liz Truss is going to deviate from Boris Johnson's policy of continuing to provide weapons for Ukraine. Uh, With Brexit, there is still uh, the never-ending shit of Brexit continues to just pour forth from the anus of this country. Uh, uh, There's a debate coming up about the Northern Ireland Protocol Bill, which Liz Truss actually managed to get through the House of Commons, but is likely to get stuck in the House of Lords. So it's possible that uh, by the 15th of September, she'll have triggered Article 16, which would suspend parts of the Northern Ireland Agreement, which is a a bad idea on so many deep levels. Uh, The biggest problem that she faced. Oh, and also the global pandemic. It's something about a global pandemic. I don't know. <laughs> I, I think that that's... Uh, someone f- 
about i don't know what's going on with that but uh, <laughs> the biggest problem that she faces is uh, the energy crisis um with people's energy bills being about to double and in some cases quadruple businesses are facing closures um and thus far this it's the most immediate crisis facing the country and thus far liz truss has announced absolutely call uh, to do with the energy <laughs> crisis apart from her plan which i think she's just released which is uh, her plan is to advise households to generate heat by huddling together whilst jacking it to pictures of Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> family. 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 <laughs> he was um, talking about families. Yeah. <laughs> I was talking about families jacking it together, Andy. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, I mean, it is, as you say, going to be a bulging entry after six years of uh, of uh, Brexition, two and a half years of pandemic, seven months of a globally disruptive war, and above all, after 12 years of Conservative government <laughs> involving largely Liz Truss failing to address anything of relevance. So at least you should be intimately aware of the contents of that uh, of that entry. Um, uh, I mean, amongst the things she's got to do, apart from the cost of existence and uh, and people uh, having some form of heating over a British winter, is to fix absolutely everything as well as doing everything <laughs> else. Uh, so it's going to be a it's going to be a tough a tough uh, a tough job. I mean, it has been there have been times because the, the, this campaign has been a very long, but also focused on this minuscule electorate. It has felt that it's been taking place not merely in a parallel country, but in some kind of alternative reality yeah. and possibly an entirely separate universe. You know, and now the task, people are saying, is to bring the Conservative Party back together. Now, usually the way the Conservative Party uh, brings itself back together is by driving the rest of the United Kingdom further and further apart. Yeah. So what, what, what tools do you think they're going to whip out for that one? Well, I mean, at a certain point, you, you have to feel like the Conservative Party is going to fall back on what it does best, outright racism. And I, they always have that card to play, and I'm pretty sure they're going to play it strongly. And I don't even know what form it's going to take. I think they're going to say that immigrants are putting dog shit in our soup and also are <laughs> siphoning heat off to heat their hot, hot curries. It's hard to know what version this is going to take, but I feel pretty confident that that's going to be the starting point, as it always is for the British Conservative Party. Uh, I think it's fair to say that, that she's coming in with low expectations. Uh, as I said, less than half of the Conservative membership uh, voted for her. Less than a third of Conservative MPs had supported her in the phase of the election where the, cam the the MPs were choosing the two candidates to put to the party membership. One Tory MP was quoted in a newspaper this week saying some somehow what Liz is doing is dressing up her lack of ability as a form of authenticity, which is not a ringing <laughs> endorsement for someone <laughs> taking over the entire country. One of her own MPs. Mm -hmm. There are also reports in the Mirror newspaper uh, that a group of 12 Conservative MPs is already plotting to submit letters of no confidence in Liz Truss and reinstate Boris Johnson as Prime Minister by Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever you play that... I picture it like the end of a horror movie where the hand reaches up from the grave, but it's just his hair popping out from the ground. Yeah, it's... I, those 12 people, I can only assume, are Boris Johnson's biological children. Because I, <laughs> I, at this point, I have no idea 
Well, you mean Michael Fabricant, essentially. Yeah, Michael Fabricant, yeah. yeah. And if you're not aware of Michael Fabricant and you're not sure whether or not he is one of Boris Johnson's biological children, search him on the internet and that will be all the proof you possibly Mm -hmm. need. Ignore the alleged dates of birth. Biology trumps everything. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I think low expectations. Look, that's that's taken us a long way over here. I think people... when Joe Biden took office, there were I the the day they they announced the election results. If very similarly, people are on the streets going, it's not not like super pro Biden, mostly anti Trump partying, but uh, otherwise kind of the enthusiasm that you might feel for a saltine. And he uh, he announced the the. <laughs> nullifying of $10,000 of college debt, people just started shooting guns off into the sky with joy. <laughs> or that might just be what we were doing anyway over here. <laughs> just firing guns wantonly. Um, I think part of the problem Liz Truss has uh, is that her biography has not endeared her to the hardest of hardcore conservative voters. Um, largely because, I mean, if I was to answer the question that's been answered, asked in America uh, this week, which is, who is Liz Truss? Uh, as opposed <laughs> to the question that's been asked in the United Kingdom, which is, who? Liz Truss! Uh, uh, it would... But it would give you a very complicated political journey. So Liz Truss uh, actually grew up uh, as a supporter of the uh, Liberal Democrats. Uh, now, for context for international buglers, uh, the Liberal Democrats are known in the United Kingdom as the, oh, oh, yeah, <laughs> them. Uh, they are the third party in a country famous for having a two-party system. <laughs> it's like if Ralph Nader was a bunch of guys. Um, but, uh, she was a Lib Dem. Uh, and whilst she was a Liberal Democrat, she actually spoke at a party conference and advocated for the end of the monarchy. Uh, she then uh, underwent some sort of reverse Damascene conversion, like if St. Paul had been visited by God and thought, I know, I have to be more of a uh, and joined the Conservative <laughs> Party. Um, and uh, since 2010, she's been quite a sort of prominent member of that party. She was the Education Minister for a while, then she was promoted to the Environment Secretary. Uh, she campaigned for Remain uh, in the Brexit referendum, and then after the result has immediately sort of switched to a position where she said, actually, I think Brexit is a, a great thing. Uh, and But ultimately, more than anything else... She is and has always been uh, a conservative, I believe, uh, because uh, someone who knew Liz Truss when she was growing up described her as being a uh, a big fan of uh, Cluedo and Monopoly. And <laughs> if games that involve backstabbing and being in favour of landlordism aren't more conservative, then I don't know what is. <laughs> wow. This kind of turn from the the Lib Dem party right to conservatism, it feels very Kirsten Cinema. So do you think <laughs> just for the help of the American audience, could we get her wearing some kind of funky purple glasses? <laughs> just go, oh, she's one of those. I get it. <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, that's unlikely to happen, the uh, funky purple glasses, unless a photo emerges of Margaret Thatcher wearing funky purple glasses, <laughs> in which case I imagine Liz Truss will wear eight pairs of funky purple glasses simultaneously <laughs> for the rest of her reign. Uh, one of her first jobs is to um, assemble a new cabinet. Now, choosing from the Conservative Party talent puddle, will <laughs> that's a challenge, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's not going to necessarily result in the plumpest crop of ministerial <laughs> genius uh, because our political system has of course been specifically geared to producing candidates whose principal skills 
don't stretch too far beyond saying, yeah, what he said, or occasionally, yeah, what she said, or just saying, boo. So that's, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how much she sticks with the Johnson loyalists. And one of the first things she said in her speech uh, today on uh, on taking it uh, when she when she was announced as the, uh, the the new leader i mean she did say some quite weird things in what was quite a short speech in, including the uh, extraordinary rhetorical flourish uh she said we will deliver we will deliver and we will deliver um which <laughs> it's good to see her avoiding the rhetorical flourishes of her waffle heavy predecessor but I, I don't know what the i mean that's I mean, to say that, you know, we will deliver three times, that is, a, once again, a savage attack on everything the Conservative Party has stood for over the last 12 years. <laughs> so, Also, she failed to deliver the end of a f***ing sentence. <laughs> like, it, I don't, it's just a bad sign that she's kind of stealing ideas from Domino's. <laughs> right <off the> <laughs> like, it is very close to a Little Caesar. I don't know if you have Little Caesars, but their slogan is just, Pizza, pizza, and that's kind of what this felt like to me. Yeah, it was, and it was um, delivered in her customary rhetorical style, which is printing out a uh, speech that would be delivered by a normal human being, removing all of the punctuation, putting that punctuation into a salt, salt shaker, and then just randomly distributing it across the page, <laughs> and then having it delivered by a puppet, uh, un- unaccompanied by a ventriloquist. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she also said this. I think these were these were true words. She did have some. She said some very very honest words about the campaign. She said, "I think we have shown the depth and breadth of talent in our Conservative Party," and I admired that level of honesty with the public. <laughs> Just to lay those cards on the table, as saying we've got nothing. Strap in, everyone. Um, it's like when I got. It's like when I got twelve percent in a geography exam in year eight. It would have been the equivalent of me calling a press conference and saying, "I think we all know how much I know about geography." How did you get twelve percent in a geography? Well, exam? it was about the ordnance survey. It was about the ordnance survey map, and I didn't revise the ordnance survey map and tried just, to just... vibe it out. <laughs> Vibes-based geography oh, no. and geographical classification <laughs> has been a source of enormous turmoil over the sorts of world, over the course of world history. Yeah, that's basically how we ended our empire, wasn't it? It was vibes-based geography. I am British, and if I cannot engage in vibe-based <laughs> geography, then what was the point of any of this? <laughs> Well, you, you, you say you're Britishness, but we'll just have to see what Liz Truss does in her <laughs> first week or so as Prime Minister to see if that's... Uh, She's already absolutely murked one brown guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, interestingly, uh, in a change to traditional protocol... Um, Liz Truss will become Prime Minister not in Buckingham Palace, but she's going to have to fly to Scotland to see the Queen, who I think is in uh, Balmoral Castle in Scotland. So Boris Johnson is going to have to go up there and, and be be sacked. Basically, the Queen has to sack the Prime Minister, essentially. <laughs> she hands him a P45 and a commemorative bottle of whiskey. Uh, but essentially, I mean, she's playing the I'm 96 card. Uh, and the mobility issues, but really, she just can't be asked to come down from London to uh, to London from Scotland uh, for I, I believe the term she used is these clowns. Um, 
It was 96. Different, different C no. word. Different C word, Andy. <laughs> 96. I do hope. She's 96 now, the Queen. I do hope that as an employed <laughs> nonagenarian, she spent the whole of the year from April 2021 to mm. April 2022 singing Working 95, Dolly Parton style. And she didn't. She's gone down in my estimation. Um <laughs> So, uh, so what? What now then for 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 Johnson? Apart from uh, you know, apart from this this rumored comeback. I mean, he's been very much you know. For all, you know, we've had various people saying it's a disgrace that he's been <laughs> snatched away from his beloved public. But he's very much not just the architect of his own downfall. He has Frank Gehryed the shit out of his own downfall. <laughs> it has been an absolute Bilbao Guggenheim of self destruction. <laughs> I hope that, like, when any he'll do the traditional thing that any head of state does when when they are removed from office democratically is they'll retire to their uh, South Florida estate with their collection of top secret government documents, just to, leaving to spend more time with classified information. That's just the tradition. In recent history, as far as I know, uh, I imagine he'll go back to writing some of the worst newspaper columns or at least at the very least some of the newspaper columns that were most <laughs> clearly dictated to someone typing them out in a stream of consciousness 40 minutes before the deadline <laughs> I, some of the newspaper columns honestly there's bits where he's like am i hungry i might be hungry anyway oh wait don't remind me to uh, call that guy at seven o'clock anyway uh <laughs> are you still typing take that part out <laughs> Yeah, yeah. He used to write, remember to take that part out. Oh, you know what? Leave it in. Uh, we've got a word count to hit. <laughs> Moving across the Atlantic now to uh, American news and some exciting news from New York this week, uh, Josh. Mm -hmm. Times Square is to be designated a gun-free zone mm -hmm. uh, from uh, from this week. Uh, a new uh, gun law in New York is going into uh, into effect. Um, now this, uh, you know, how is this going to affect you as a New Yorker, Josh? Because I know, I know you love to be tooled up at <laughs> all times. Yeah, well, uh, no, renowned for your yeah. This is kind of causing me a lot of anxiety because you know, as as you say across the pond, I keep that thing on me. So uh, <laughs> it might. This is going to be tough. It. Um, I will say. It makes because the gun law is expanding where you can carry guns, and so Times Square is. They're saying. Not, well, not here, but there. this is real. <laughs> there is a loophole. There are many loopholes. Uh, you can still have a gun in Times Square if you live in Times Square or if you work in Times Square or if you're just on the way through Times Square, which does describe everyone. Uh, <laughs> 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 except people who I guess are planning to shop for a while in Times Square, visit all the things. So, <laughs> so what they're saying is you can't have a gun in Times Square unless you've earned it with time served. <laughs> That's really what they're saying. <laughs> and this is just going to be another thing that lifelong New Yorkers complain about. They hate when Times Square gets less sketchy. Like, I can hear it now just like, I remember when you go to any corner in Times Square and smoke crack while firing off a few rounds into a crowd, all while getting your dick sucked for an affordable price. Now it's just Citibanks and M&M <laughs> stores. People are going to be very New Yorkers are going to be up in arms about this. <laughs> uh, I, that, was I the best, to... that was the best John Oliver impression I've ever 
He's changed. He's changed. <laughs> I am slightly shocked that they're attempting to enforce any laws on Times Square, given that earlier this year when I was in Times Square, it did appear to have been completely just full purge. Uh, a man <laughs> attempted to sell me a Ziploc bag filled with marijuana while sat on a bucket. Now, I am aware that uh, New York State has relaxed regulations around the legal sale of marijuana, but I'm pretty sure that is not for bucket-based vendors. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually, there's no, they don't, haven't given out licenses yet to sell marijuana, even though it's legal <laughs> to buy. So uh, there are places that have just been like, Fuck it, we're opening up anyway. So there's active dispensaries that still behave like drug dealers where you like walk in <laughs> and they're like, hey, uh, you smoke weed? We got weed. And it's like, yeah, man, that's, you have a big sign that says noise with a Z. I know you sell weed here. <laughs> what I was fascinated by was um, a detail in this this article that um, uh, in an effort to crack down on illegal gun purchases, uh, officials in New York have asked um, Visa, Mastercard, and American Express companies like that to approve a new merchant category code for gun shops across the country. Because at the moment, purchases made at gun, sh- gun shops are listed on financial statements as miscellaneous. Now, <laughs> now, I mean, it does. I mean, I think does buying a lethal weapon. I think that goes beyond miscellaneous. <laughs> I mean, miscellaneous is you're maybe I, I don't know, a, like a, a a piece of wood. Well, you're, um, I think you're you're just deal. It's a, just an issue of spelling. M i s s i l e aneous, and then I think everybody wins. <laughs> oh, miscellaneous. Oh, I think it's Bob. a damning indictment of how far the Republican Party has fallen in terms of its basic morality that the Democrats have taken an appraisal of the situation and decided, no, no, we must appeal to the morality of credit card companies. <laughs> There's no point in even engaging with the Republican Party. We have to go to people who are, let's not be around the bush, loan sharks with bits <laughs> of plastic. We've got to enlist the powerful usury lobby. <laughs> <laughs> on our behalf. <laughs> I, I, re- I, I was reading this article, and uh, I mean, two things about it immediately concerned me. Firstly, what does this gun ban mean for Hamilton? And is the actor <laughs> who plays the bullet now going to have to play a sharp stick that's thrown by Aaron Burr at Alexander Hamilton? Because the spoiler, Richard Rogers Theatre, I believe, falls within the purview of this ban. Mm-hmm. The second thing that concerned me is there was an explosion uh, in uh, permits, in a, people applying for permits, because the law states that you can still conceal carry as long as you have a permit. And I guess, like, I understand that, like, the gun ownership con- concept is very unfamiliar to British people. And also, I'd suggest probably pretty unfamiliar to most of the Americans listening to this podcast. But I just, why do you need to carry a gun to go to Times Square? Why is that such a priority for you? You don't live in the Old West. You have an <laughs> iPhone and an Instagram account. I will I will say, of all the places I go in New York, Times Square is the one where I most fantasize about committing violence. So... <laughs> I feel like extra legislation is necessary. <laughs> but it also we, does we feel like, pre- look, New Yorkers, shoot each other if you must. But please, think of the tourists. Don't bring your guns around the tourists. <laughs> think of the man dressed as Iron Man. He's been stood there all day. 
He keeps getting kicked in the nuts yeah. by Scottish visitors. Just, just think about the indignity of catching a stray bullet dressed in a dirty Elmo costume. <laughs> <laughs> the worst death I can imagine. So, I mean, Nish, it sounds to me that what you're suggesting then is that to, to carry a, a, a gun, you should have to be riding a horse. Is, is, that, is that the compromise oh, that you would accept? 100%. I would 100%. Yeah. And at this point, in terms of trying to get America to pass reasonable gun laws, and again, not America, trying to get the 10 people in America who seem to count on this subject, because like, I think at this point, the overwhelming majority of Americans all favour gun laws. At this point, we are going to have to get creative. I, I would suggest the Democrats run a bill that's mandatory gun ownership for all minor- ethnic minorities. <laughs> I think that might scare some mm-hmm. of the Republicans into uh, <laughs> passing countermeasures. Or, I do agree, I do absolutely think you should be able to carry a gun, but only if you're constantly on a horse. <laughs> that Well, that's just going to result in New York City. That just means cops will have more and more guns and no one else will have any. <laughs> It's going to lead to the NYPD riding on a horse on top of a horse and holding an M16. And the the second the middle horse, the Oreo cream horse, is going to have its own gun, <laughs> just in its mouth that it bites down onto fire. But it's a it's a slightly c- curious conclusion to come to uh, that what we need is you know, you know more making it more easy for more people to carry more guns seems not to follow from the the stats such as that one and a half million people have died in the last 50 years from gunshots more than uh, have been lost by the american military in every single war since the war of independence combined so it's heading up towards 50,000 a year i, I don't know if that is that a target figure for the gun lobby at which point <laughs> they will start to seek some kind of compromise no they're and, just gonna, leveling off they're just going to keep changing the number on the sign like mcdonald's <laughs> <laughs> Oh, 33 billion served now. Okay. And finally, uh, this week, sports news now. And um, Serena Williams' uh, incredible tennis career appears uh, to have come to an end. Um, she has not officially announced her retirement, um, although uh, it seems that she has retired, partly because of the language uh, that she She said she's evolving away from tennis um, after a career spanning almost two and a half decades, 23 Grand Slam titles. Um, um, But I I love this terminology that, you know, there's (laughs) evolving away from tennis. I mean, I feel I've been evolving away from comedy for some time now. but but without that definite cut off of playing my my final uh, <laughs> doing my final gig and, and in the rod in the um, uh, Arthur Ashe Stadium, um, I mean this is, I think this is quite an exciting time in in the language of sport. This the fact that you know retirement is well, will soon become because she's hugely influential, Serena Williams. She's changed the face of sport, and you know she has now started this trend where people will evolve into something different and i think it could be quite exciting that you know i think in just a few years time we'll have you know players playing their last match and then going into a special booth and like emerging as something completely different to begin the rest of their lives and i think we will look back on this as a as a turning point i hope she's evolving into a different sport i hope oh, yeah. see serena williams playing cricket next year <laughs> the only 
one thing that everybody wanted for her uh, was to uh, pull ahead of uh, Margaret Court. Uh, she's on 23 uh, Grand Slam singles titles. Uh, Court still holds the record uh, at 24. And the reason that people want that is because Margaret Court is a turd. And <laughs> in spite of the fact that she was named literally to be a tennis player, uh, and I assume <laughs> the record is only going to be taken by you know, Jasmine Balls when she finally takes to the court. <laughs> Margaret Court uh, is an absolute turd. Uh, she's an opposition of uh, uh, same-sex marriage. She's an opponent of same-sex marriage. And uh, just in case you were uh, forgotten how much of a turd she was, uh, she popped up this week saying that Serena Williams had played in a much easier era. It's part <laughs> of the fact that when Margaret Court won her majors... A lot of the players just didn't go to the Australian Open, uh, <laughs> despite the fact that they you know, cross comparison of eras is often very difficult. Uh, in spite of all of that, Margaret Court has come out and said, ah, it's much easier for Serena. And uh, I think what it's good to remember is uh, Serena is not only the greatest as a tennis player, uh, she's also uh, not a turd uh, like Margaret <laughs> Court, who is, and I cannot stress this enough, a f***ing turd. <laughs> yeah, Serena Williams is amazing. One of the greatest athletes in history. Just incredible. And she's she means so much to tennis, right? There are people who in their 20s who and early 30s, I think, who didn't grow up knowing tennis before Serena Williams. And they'll only know the tennis world she's left behind and is leaving behind, which I think is really wonderful. She means so much to the game. She said she's evolving away. She's not retiring from tennis. She's gently breaking up with it. <laughs> well that brings us to the end of this uh bugle um do enjoy buglers the uh warming sensation of boris johnson no longer being in a position Mm -hmm. of global responsibility um it's something it's something in these benighted times um don't forget to book your tickets for the forthcoming bugle 15th anniversary live tour in london Birmingham, Glasgow and Dublin. Details on the Bugle website. Click the live link at the top of the page. Anything to plug? Josh, do us a favour and quickly plug while I Google myself. <laughs> sure. I um, <laughs> I am... Yes, I have a special out, an hour special called People Pleaser that's streaming where you uh, stream things. I think Vimeo is the best place for it worldwide, but it's also Apple TV and YouTube and Amazon. Um, and I'm, I'm about to go on the road a bunch this... Uh, this fall, so I'm doing, I've already got some New York stuff, some Boston, uh, Pittsburgh. I'm going to announce, uh, Louisville and, uh, and, and Cleveland soon. So I'm going to be all over. Come, come see me. Nish. Yes. Have you uh, finished I've Googling got, yourself yes. yet? No, I've got, I've got my, uh, I, I, let me just, uh, it's just, I think it's nice to let the Americans go first, you know, just, uh, <laughs> thank you. The, it's pretty gracious. The old War of Independence, uh, <laughs> snafu. Um, uh, on October the 17th, I, uh, in London, I'm going to be recording my tour show, uh, at, at the Arts Theatre. Uh, so that's October the 17th, and there'll be a 7pm and a 9.30pm show. About half of the tickets have gone, so please buy those now. And then, uh, on the 28th and 29th of November, I will be in Melbourne. And then on the 30th of uh, of November and the 1st of December, I will be at the Sydney Opera House's studio room. But crucially, it will be the Sydney Opera House's studio room uh, that are the final two dates uh, of my tour. Uh, Now, we had to add second shows because of a demand that is yet to manifest itself in the sales for the second shows. So uh, if you uh, live in Melbourne or Sydney or live in Australia... Or anywhere in the Southern Hemisphere and are willing to really put in a shift, uh, please uh, please book your tickets. Uh, details at nishkumar.co.uk. 
Uh, I'm also doing some satirist for high shows uh, for a week in mid-November, including my emotional homecoming show in Tunbridge Wells. Yeah! First time I've played Tunbridge Wells for about 20 years. And my mum's coming to that, Aww. so I need people there. Uh, so do come along to that. Details at my website, which is vaguely up to date with uh, gigs. AndyZoltzman.co.uk uh, We will be back next week with exclusive coverage on everything that's happened in the world between now and then. Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss line bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you, you, you must be so excited. Listen now.